0: episode 184 of the Shock Shock Nicks podcast coming to you as always on the posting and toasting podcast Network Sean Saint Jacques back here with you for a brand new episode of the show to kick off 2023 our first episode of the new year hope you're all doing well hope you all enjoyed the holiday season enjoyed the start of 2023. The Knicks sure did. We'll talk about that and the all of a sudden, uh, I don't even know what the right word is anymore. The currently surging Knicks, after it looked like uh, they needed to get a check on the old pulse, and uh, we'll we'll talk about the roller coaster ride the last few weeks has been in just a second. I uh, just want to mention as well that um, there is some Knicks news to get to on the Ob top in front uh, in two. Different ways we will touch on that later on in the show as well and I, I almost forgot about this i do want to take a look around the league and break down the crazy crazy game on wednesday between the bucks and the raptors but let's start with all of a sudden a a three-game game winning streak for the knicks i mean the roller coaster ride that the end of 2022 and beginning of 2023 has provided for the new york knicks has been insane they're on the right end of it at the moment and we'll touch on that in a second i mean i before i i go into what i want to talk about when it comes to the recent run i want to remind you what we were talking about last week, which was one of the worst losses in recent memory in Knicks history in Dallas, where the Knicks succumbed to a, a an amazing Luka comeback and the Knicks let a nine point lead slip with, let's say, 26 seconds left on the clock, 33 26 again, regardless. Not a lot of time on the clock. Knicks should have won the game. Luca, Spencer Dinwiddie, and company send the game to overtime. The Knicks lose by five in overtime to cap off a four-game losing streak. The Knicks would make it five games in a row without a win in San Antonio and would finish uh, a five-game losing streak off um, by finally getting a win on New Year's Eve in houston so real quick i i just want to again put us in that place a week ago where an eight game winning streak had turned into one of the worst nick runs of the season if not the worst and was capped off by one of the worst nick collapses in recent years the knicks then compounded it compounded it i should say with a 122 115 loss in San Antonio, which can only be described uh, as lackluster and feeling the effects of the Dallas game, and they carried over into basically the entire game. I, I do want to give Julius Randle some credit. He still put together a tremendous performance. Emmanuel quickly actually had one of his best performances in the game, as in Nick. However, Quentin Grimes couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. Miles McBride struggled throughout. Evan Fournier actually got some minutes off the bench, was in double figures. And Mitchell Robinson put up a goose egg in the points department, and he only took two shots. And frankly, if the Knicks didn't have a decent showing in the fourth, this was going to be a rout. The Knicks made it somewhat... Respectable at the end, but San Antonio, who at the time were 12 and 23 after that win, one of the worst records in the league, absolutely decimated the Knicks and dropped them back down to 500. Where my thought was I mean, this is going to be where the entire season falls apart for the Knicks. And, you know, Dallas hit them onto the mat. San Antonio hit them into the ground. That That's what it felt like after the game against the Spurs. And then they went to Houston. And, and it's amazing what a win can do. You know, the Knicks had to stop the bleeding somewhere. And they do it with a New Year's Eve thrashing of the worst team in the NBA, arguably the Houston Rockets, and they beat them by 30. Um, and I sorry by twenty, and all of a sudden, the Knicks' season almost kind of turns again. It's been such a roller coaster ride, the last two months. You know, the Knicks had that run before the eight game winning streak, where they had lost six of eight, and their only wins were against OKC and Detroit you know really a bad run where yes they were playing better teams but they were getting blown out and they lost the heartbreaker to portland during that run they were destroyed by phoenix they were destroyed by dallas put up a good fight against milwaukee but again heartbreak at the end it was either a heartbreaking loss or a blowout or they beat a bad team but then the knicks put together that eight game run They beat Chicago twice. They beat Golden State. They beat Indiana. They beat Cleveland, Charlotte, Atlanta, Sacramento. They had a great run to make it eight in a row. And yeah, you know, they'll lose games. No question about that. But it was the way the Knicks were losing games to Chicago, Philly, Toronto. And the Dallas game was the capper. The Dallas game was the confirmation almost that, the eight-game winning streak was a fluke. They're they're just not able to keep up with the big boys in the NBA. But lo and behold, lo lo and behold, what a win can do in the NBA, it almost doesn't matter anymore who it's against, and the Knicks revive themselves again. It's been such a crazy month, month and a half. You know, that, that six uh that that two and six run that the knicks run that was in november that was at the end of the month of november from the 18th to december 3rd the knicks lost six of eight then in december they went on the eight game run and then during the holidays from the 21st to the 29th the knicks lost five in a row but on new year's eve they go to houston to end a texas road swing here they beat a really bad Houston team. And all of a sudden, you know, dare I say, you know, to copy some really bad hashtags on social media, New Year, New Knicks, they bounce back. And on January 2nd, they destroy the Phoenix Suns at Madison Square Garden. Absolutely decimated them. I I was shocked. I, I know that... Um, Well, you know, I was looking at the box score after watching the game, and I remember thinking, you know, again, very similar to the Golden State game, the the main guy isn't there. In this case, Devin Booker didn't play. But the rest of the group, more so than the Warriors, by the way, was there. Bridges and Aiton and CP3 and Craig and Shamit. And it's a deep bench. Payne, Washington, Lee. I mean, these are guys... That, that helped Phoenix get to the number one overall seed in the NBA playoffs a season ago. So I still thought Phoenix was going to come into MSG and once again humble the Knicks as they did in Phoenix. But it was the reverse. It was the complete opposite. The Knicks held Phoenix to 11 points in the first quarter. And Phoenix never recovered. They absolutely crumbled. Very similarly to the way their season ended last year it felt very similar to that they went down early and by halftime they had waved the white flag they'd essentially conceded the game at halftime and the Knicks go on and absolutely decimate them by 19 points I mean to hold Phoenix in any game to 83 points I mean it's shocking in a lot of ways i don't care if devin booker's in the lineup or not you would not expect phoenix to be held to 83 points but this has been a trend with some of the better teams in the west being uh, road warriors has been hard to come by and phoenix is also in a bad run right now they've lost seven of eight and they have severely hurt their chances of getting a number one seed in the west i mean this has been a run that has almost seen them go all the way back to 500. It's how bad they've been over the last couple of weeks. I mean, they can't figure it out right now. And actually, as we sit here today, Phoenix is in play-in position. That's how close it is in the West right now. They're five games back of Denver and Memphis, who currently sit atop the West. The Pelicans are a half game back. And... Phoenix is now fighting with Golden State in Portland to try to get into the top six in the West. It really is a crazy reversal. The NBA this season has had a lot of ups and downs for a lot of teams. It really is another wild season in the NBA, and we haven't even gotten to the All-Star break yet. We're still a month away from the All-Star break, and I still don't know. Here are two things I still don't know about the nba talking big picture here and i'll talk nicks in that regard in a second two big things i don't know about the nba right now T- to this point in the season which is very surprising i don't know who the best team is and i don't know who the best team in each conference is right now that's not normal in the nba like that's a very nfl kind of trait to have i really don't know who the best team is in the west is it memphis is it denver heck is it new orleans i mean dallas has used this incredible game against the knicks they've now won seven in a row and they're up to the fourth seed they were in the play-in two weeks ago now they're in the fourth seed they're only two and a half back of the number one seed in the west Heck, the Kings are still in the mix for the top seed. They're four games back. They're not out of it by any means. I'm not saying they're going to get it. But that's the kind of year it's been in the West. Golden State and Phoenix are fighting to get back into the top six. Minnesota, who had such high hopes, is not even in the play-in. And and it's just... uh, Up is down... Down is up, and cats and dogs in the West are living together. It really is crazy. The East is a little bit more straightforward. I think we're starting to realize that Boston, Milwaukee, and Brooklyn are the three teams to be trifled with. The, the Nets finally lost a game the other day. I mean they they were absolutely rolling, and Jacques Vaughn has them playing at a very high level. Make no mistake about that. But you could could at least tell the tiers apart in the East. Right now, Brooklyn, Boston, and Milwaukee are fighting for the top seed. Then you look at the Cavs, the Sixers, the Heat, and then maybe the Knicks in that next tier. And then there's Indiana, Atlanta, Chicago, and Washington. Maybe you throw the Raptors in there as well, who are all still trying to figure out who's going to be in those four play-in spots. So... It is a wild, wild year. And I think I didn't, that, that it, if I can talk, that didn't hit me until the Milwaukee-Toronto Raptors game happened the other night. And I will get to that in a second. But I just want to wrap up the first half by talking about the week for, excuse me, for the Knicks, where I, I just thought that New York, yes, they were benefited by the fact that they had two games at, uh, two games during the last three against teams that are not very good. One of them was at home. We'll get to that game in a second. And then you take on a Phoenix team that is reeling and they're without their best player. But in years past to, to give the Knicks some credit here, they would have let the team that was really, you know, reeling, get the, the game they needed to get right, you know, to get back on track. The Knicks buried Phoenix, absolutely put them in the ground in the first half. And there was no coming back from that. And that was the good part to see. The Knicks had a 23, I think, point lead at the half. And in other games this year, you would have thought, well, let's see how they do in the third. Let's see if they can actually hold the lead. Because again, 26 seconds left, you have a nine-point lead. You can't finish a team off. Those are warranted concerns. The Knicks put Phoenix away in the third quarter and kept the big lead going into the fourth and Phoenix waved the white flag. I mean, five players for Phoenix were in double figures, but it's misleading because the highest point total that anyone for Phoenix had was 12 points. DeAndre Ayton had 12 points. The other five that are the other four that were in double figures, it's a, it was 11, 10, 10 and 10. And th- this this might be the stat of the game. I don't think I've ever Again, I don't watch Phoenix every night. Not sure I've ever seen this. Chris Paul played 30 minutes in an NBA game. 30 minutes. He had the worst plus minus of any player on the floor, and it was minus 38. Minus 38. I mean, I can't think of a time ever where I've seen a star player finish with that bad of a plus minus in an nba game and i'm sure it's happened but chris paul always was the to me was always kind of the exception you just never expected him to have that bad of a plus minus but here we are wow i, I mean i was absolutely stunned by that and other play i mean mikhail bridges was a minus 18 eight and was the leading score he had a minus 24 in plus minus campaign off the bench had a plus 19 and nobody else came close for phoenix next highest was a plus seven from ish wainwright and he only had eight points it's just remarkable and i i have to give two players for the knicks credit emmanuel quickly finally put two games in a row together where he makes an impact And I really thought Mitchell Robinson bounced back extremely well after a couple of bad games to finish the road trip. I really thought that he shined in this game as well. Against a a player in DeAndre Ayton that when he's right, I mean, he'll eat you for lunch. He'll put you away. And, And the Knicks get some revenge after Phoenix absolutely blitzed them in Arizona back in November. They destroyed the Knicks in the first meeting the Knicks returned the favor in the new year, and that was a nice change of pace. It's always good to get teams back in the NBA, even if you're not going to see them in the playoffs. It's always nice to kind of return the favor, get used to doing that, because in in an NBA playoff series, you, you got to bounce back, and, and it's nice to see at times this season the Knicks have been able to do that. They did that with San Antonio in, in the most recent game, and I was actually... Happy in in particular for this one because the Knicks were able to get a win on my birthday on Wednesday. It's always nice when your team (laughs) pulls through for you on your birthday. The Knicks made hard work of it. Make no mistake about that. They came out, I thought, with a very strong opening quarter. Once again, pushed the issue. But again, as we've seen more times than not this season, the Knicks did not put San Antonio away and the Knicks had to stave off a big comeback in the third quarter and then again in the fourth where it kind of looked like San Antonio was going to turn the game around but I I must say he's been struggling of late Jalen Brunson had one of his best games of his NBA career after again he's been dealing with an injury but then had to come back and kind of save the Knicks a little bit here I, I gave him a lot of credit You know, the Knicks have needed him for a while. He's been dealing with the injury. This was his first time to really help the Knicks out in a tight spot in a while, it felt like. And he delivered 38 points for Jalen Brunson. And again, one of his best games of his career, let alone as a Knick. And the Knicks win it by three. It was tight at the end. Oh, it was tight at the end. But the Knicks end up winning it 117 to 114 and they're back to 500 at home that's a very big stat to keep an eye on as the season goes on and the Knicks go from you know being in a tremendous shape at after the eight game winning streak to then losing five in a row going back to 500 at one point to now being three games over 500 and I think the Knicks are fifth in the east sixth in the east the knicks are sixth now in the east just ahead of indiana i guess on a tiebreaker and uh the, the biggest thing for me is the knicks are now four games up on the washington wizards who are in 11th They're on the outside looking in of the play that's also a very big thing to make note of and the knicks are only three games back of philly again for fifth so Again, still a lot of work for the Knicks to do. They're four games back of a home playoff series as well. But the biggest thing now is that the Knicks have, for the time being, right. Uh, they've righted the ship again, and it's been as I mean, again, that the cliche is always a roller coaster ride. It's been topsy turvy, you name it. But this has been a wild, wild run that the Knicks have been on over the last month and a half, and I really don't know what it means. We've been kind of speculating about what the Knicks uh, can do moving forward and what the ceiling is for the team and expectations. It's hard right now sitting here after the month and a half the Knicks have just had and ask, you know, or, or, you know, tell you what I think they're going to do moving forward. The Knicks' schedule upcoming is a mix of games that they are going to be favored to win in. And there's going to be games that they're going to have to really work to, to win including Toronto next and after this break I do want to touch on that absolutely insane finish to the Bucks Raptors game on Wednesday and what that could mean for the Knicks when they go to Toronto on Friday. So let's take the break here. We'll talk about Bucks Raptors, we'll talk about the Knicks future upcoming and we'll also talk a little Obi Toppin news to wrap up the show. All that and more is next. On the Shock Shock Knicks podcast and on the Posting and Toasting podcast network. Second half of the show, I, I want to dive right into this Raptors Bucks game and and how it could impact the Knicks trip to Toronto on Friday this was one of the craziest finishes to a game I think I've ever seen in the NBA. And that includes the game that we just saw between the Knicks and the Mavs in Dallas that saw the Knicks throw away a nine point lead late and lose in overtime. Uh, I still kind of don't know how I'm still kind of trying to put together the ones and the zeros here as to how Toronto managed to come back in the fourth quarter um before we touch on that i do want to mention one weird outlier from this game that hasn't been talked about a ton in the aftermath of it uh bucks raptors provided us one of the worst first quarters in recent nba memory the raptors i I think were like two for their first like 20 something shots from the field Maybe two of 30. I mean, the number was unbelievably bad in the first quarter. So you're thinking, well, the Bucks must have had a big lead. No, the, the the Bucks, despite that, had a one point lead after one and they had a one point lead at the half. That's how bad the Raptors were in the first half. But that's also how bad the Bucks were at times in the first half as well. It was a 13 to 12 first quarter in an NBA game. I mean, that is college basketball stuff. I mean, I couldn't believe that number when I saw how the game ended. Because again, I didn't see it live. But when you look back at the final few minutes of the game, you would have thought this was a, you know, a Bucks masterclass from the beginning. It really didn't start until the third quarter because the bucks after both teams struggled in the opening quarter still never really got going until the third and they only had a three-point lead going into the fourth so the game was still there to be had but then to be fair to Milwaukee this is what the good teams do right they had a rough night in Toronto the Raptors who again are struggling it must be said overall they're having a rough season At the moment, they're still fighting for the play-in, but you know, 16 and 22, they're they're off to a pretty bad start for a team that many thought would be right there in the playoff mix. So they're struggling, right? And the Bucks finally exploit that in the fourth, and with I think 125 left, a buck 25 left in the game, the Bucks have. A 16 point lead. The game is over. You know, the game is done. And I think with 110 left, it was a 14 point game. So even in those 15 seconds, you know, one possession roughly in an NBA game, the, the Raptors had managed to score, but the game is done. A minute 10 left, the game is over, surely. But give the Raptors credit. I, I mean, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's the, the best era of three-point shooting we've ever seen. Maybe it's it's the way the game is called as far as fouls on the perimeter and things of that nature. But that's how the Raptors got back into the game. They kept getting fouled. And the biggest foul of them all, leave it to Grayson Allen to, to throw a swing at somebody in the lower region when trying to contest a three-point shot. By the way... I It's again, Grayson Allen's, you know, never ceases to amaze. It's Duke on Duke crime. Gary Trent Jr. is also a Duke alum. I don't think they, pretty sure they didn't play together, but ridiculous. Like I I just, it's unbelievable how that stuff manages to turn. Actually, that's something I should look into real quick while I'm breaking this down. I forget the years that Gary Trent Jr. was at Duke. Grayson Allen was there, I think for four years. If they overlapped, it's even crazier to me that that Grayson Allen, you know, who wasn't going to get to the shot. Anyway, you might as well let him take it and if he misses it, it's not a big deal. You still have a lead intact. But the bottom line is that with 3 minutes left, it was 21 with 125 left, it was 16 95-79 <laughs> with again barely any time uh, left on the clock and somehow some way the raptors through again the crazy flagrant and divine intervention find a way find a way to come back and they tie the game i mean it was unbelievable and gary trent jr of course beg your pardon ends up being the one to tie it at basically at the buzzer with less than a second on the clock he ties the game and it goes to overtime and and i hadn't watched it yet when i watched the highlights so my thought initially was oh no way milwaukee wins it's over they let it slip and they're gonna lose the game but in the end you know the game ends up uh going to milwaukee and ironically enough as the Bucks win the game, Grayson Allen, who was a teammate of Gary Trent Jr.'s, by the way, for his senior year at Duke, crazy stuff. Again, uh, his 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 antics never cease to amaze Grayson Allen. Doesn't matter if you were a teammate of his uh, at in college or the NBA or whatever, he will still play dirty. It's unbelievable. But regardless, the point or the fact of the matter is, uh, Gary Trent Jr., hits that shot, it's a, it ends up being a flagrant, they get the ball back, he ties the game at the buzzer, which was just insane, and they make up the 14 points in the 110 that was remaining. However, the irony is that Giannis and company, capped off by a big shot from Grayson Allen, win the game in overtime, and uh, it just goes to show again how wild the league has been this season i mean that that's a team in the bucks that are one game back of the top seed in the east and would you know can one game off having the best record in the nba on top of that against a raptors team that's currently in 12 fighting just to get back into the play in positions right now and it's not going so well raptors now have lost 7 of their last 10 and 2 in a row So it'll be interesting to see how that game goes on Friday for the Knicks. I mean, the Raptors just showed an incredible bit of resolve to get back into that game and have a legitimate chance to win in overtime after erasing that insane deficit. Again, mind-boggling they even got it to overtime, and they just couldn't cap it off. But the second part is I genuinely don't know how the Knicks are going to react to this three game run that they've been on lately. I really don't know what the, (laughs) what Friday holds, let alone what the future holds for the Knicks, because it's so hard to gauge them as a group and their mental toughness. Because again, there's some games where you see the Knicks fight to the end and you're like, where has this been? And you're incredibly impressed. And then, you know, they fight, they have a bad performance. The Cleveland game at home comes to mind. Nick struggled mightily in that game offensively, but they won that game on the defensive end of the floor, and they really made life difficult for Donovan Mitchell. And he just scored 71 the other night. I mean, it's just mind-boggling stuff. But you look back at other games, like the Dallas game, like the Chicago game at home, you know? I mean, I, I even go back to that 6-8 uh, game run where they lost 6 out of 8. And I think about the Portland game that the Knicks lost in overtime and the Dallas game and the Atlanta game from earlier in the year where the Knicks had like a 21-point lead and they lost by 16 or whatever it was. I mean, it completely flipped the other way around. So it, it it's really difficult to define this Knicks team right now what they're about especially from a mental standpoint because then again right they they have the three game or sorry not a three game a five game losing streak right they beat houston but then they smacked phoenix around they stood up to the suns on monday and then you know listen san antonio gave them a heck of a run but the knicks found a way they showed a little bit of mental toughness at the end of a close game at home and again san antonio is not milwaukee they are not philly they are not uh even portland you know but the knicks at home finally found a way to hold on to a game with a team trying to come from behind on them and win it's important it's an important skill to have it really is it's something that a a good team a contending team at the top level has to have because again you're not going to blow everybody out every night so you do need to have some mental fortitude and the Knicks finally showed a little bit of it against San Antonio in that three-point win but now you go to Toronto and and the Knicks at times in the recent games there have struggled you know, and this season, the Knicks, I feel like in the games against the Raptors have really struggled. So as soon as I say that, I look at the schedule and it's fitting that in January alone, the Knicks play the Raptors three times. You know, It's a divisional opponent and the Knicks have not been great this season against their own division. Now it's a tough, the Atlantic is tough. I mean, Every team in the Atlantic is good. It might be the deepest division in the NBA. When you look at Boston, Brooklyn, Philly, the Knicks are there. And then Toronto, who's been, you know, ahead of the Knicks in recent years. I mean, this is a very tough division to work your way out of, you know, with with a good record. So the Knicks have to try and start, you know, try and start to rectify that and, it starts on Friday. I mean, two of those three games as well are going to be in Toronto. So it's not going to be easy. And I, I'm also looking at the back end of January as well. It's a brutal schedule for the Knicks. It, it's a brutal run of games. The, the Knicks on, from the 20th to the end of the month have Atlanta and Toronto on the road, Cleveland at home, Boston and Brooklyn on the road, and then the Lakers come to the Garden, which is always a big deal. So, man, it, it, it is going to be a rough run up ahead. And I really don't know if the Knicks are going to come out of that stretch. I just mentioned of six games with a 4-2 and two record or a 1-5 and five record. I mean, you really, you really don't know anymore. It's so hard to gauge what this Knicks team is going to look like in the next month. You know, By the time we're at the All-Star break, the Knicks record could be anything. That's how inconsistent they've been this season. Now, I will say having Jalen Brunson back is such a huge deal, and it showed on Wednesday. The Knicks have missed him so badly. They really have. I mean, again, and maybe I didn't mention this enough in in, in the look back at the Phoenix game, but I, I thought, again, Julius Randle steps up. The Knicks defensively were tremendous. They didn't have to deal with Devin Booker, but... You know, Jalen Brunson came back immediately at twenty four points that that mattered a lot in that game that was a big deal and the defense you know I, I thought the defensive part of the game really shined when you have your starting point guard back in the lineup. That's a big deal and it it really allowed the Knicks to sort of in a way reestablish themselves and again, you got to win games without your best players there the knicks at times have not been able to do that this year but then at other times they they've played pretty well so I, i mean it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens but it's so hard to to point your finger and 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 say yeah that's exactly what this Knicks team's about i mean it changes every week seemingly or at least every couple of weeks you know Knicks go on an eight-game run. You think they're playoff contenders. They lose five. You're not sure they're going to make the play and they win three. You have hope again. It's just been that kind of a season. And it's drastic. You know, and I don't think the Knicks are going to find any consistency for a while if they keep playing like this. But the tough part is in the NBA is that the schedule is tough, especially if you're a contending team. You want to put up a good record. It's so tough to put together a consistent run where you're you know soaring up the the standings and that's why you got to give teams like at least at the moment Milwaukee, Boston, I mean we'll see if the Brooklyn run can continue but right now they're they're red hot despite losing the other night but got to give those teams some respect and right now in the west I mean it's been Denver, it's been Memphis and it's been New Orleans who have been carrying the torch so very crazy stuff it's been a very interesting season and like I said, more questions than answers right now about the NBA on both sides, the East and the West as well. A couple of interesting notes on Obi Toppin that I wanted to mention before we get out of here for the week. Obi Toppin you know, has been dealing with an injury. Looks like after a, an assignment with the Westchester Knicks, he's going to be coming back to the Knicks rotation uh, relatively soon. And Tom Thibodeau said earlier this week that he's going to be part of the nine-man rotation uh, that the coach will use moving forward. Um, It'll be interesting to see who the Knicks decide to leave out of that rotation. That is always a very difficult decision to make as well. Um, The other reason I'm bringing this up, though... Is because there have been a little bit of, you know, murmurs, if you will, some talk that Obi Toppin could be on the move as well. There are rumors basically saying that Obi Toppin could become an Indiana Pacer at some point, or at least that there have been talks between the two teams as well. So, you know, Obi Toppin's been out for a month with a right leg injury, and, you know, it, it's going to be. It's going to be interesting to kind of see what happens moving forward with Obi Top. He's under contract through 2023, 2024 as well. he hasn't actually had that good of a season. I I think at times this season, he's actually regressed a little bit as well. So I'll be interested to see what the next uh, few months holds for Obi Top. And I think it's great for the Knicks depth that he is close to returning to the rotation. I will say I feel bad for whoever is going to get left out uh, of the Knicks rotation because it's really been, uh, at times, not every game, but at times a very big strong point for the Knicks recently, especially Emmanuel Quickly of late, despite the Knicks not winning every game, has had some tremendous performances. And we'll see if that will be kept up. But Obi Toppin returning, you know, it's gonna is going to change things. I think it's a little bit easier for a short-term return with a guy like Jalen Brunson, because you know exactly what he's going to bring. With Obi Toppin, it's big it's a bigger question mark. And Tom Thibodeau obviously trusts him a little bit more, but Obi Toppin, especially on the offensive end, you know, needs to really improve. It it, it has not been where it's needed to be so far this season. So that's gonna be a really interesting point to look at moving forward with this team and it definitely is going to be interesting to see how it impacts the next few games when you start looking towards the middle of the month where the schedule really picks up like i said and the knicks are playing some very very difficult opposition towards the end of the first month of 2023 we'll be keeping an eye on all of it and that is going to do it for this week's episode of the shock shock knicks podcast Happy New Year again, everybody. Thank you so much as always for listening. I want to thank you all as well for listening during the holiday season as well and including this show as part of your holiday festivities. It really means a lot. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you are all starting off 2023 on a high note and we will see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast and of course on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.